Hear now this reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Listen now for a word from our Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old, and he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife, Sarai, and his brother's son, Lot, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Marah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, (laughs) y'all. Now, I'm not preaching at the 11th, so if you want to hear another sermon on this text, feel free to tune in then, come for the Bibles being handed out to third graders, or go online to hear Pastor Holly. Just don't tell us which one did it better, okay? (laughs) I'm going to start with a prayer. Will you all pray with me? God, may we be present and open to your spirit. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be acceptable and pleasing unto you. Let this be an offering. Amen. I don't know how y'all feel about change. It's inevitable. We all deal with it. It's a constant, obviously, in our lives. I think some of us try to just, you know, muddle through it as it happens around us. And others of us get a lot of anxiety about change and sort of just ramp up that anxiety as we know something's coming. Some of us try to go back to the way things were, even though that doesn't usually quite work when something has changed. I think I learned a long time ago to try and embrace change, to look for the good in every new situation, or at least try to understand it's not going to last forever. I said that a million times during my uh, time as a new mom. You know, something would be happening, Cora would be keeping me up all night, and I would just say, this isn't for forever. (laughs) You will sleep again. Not yet. It hasn't happened yet, but it's coming, I swear. Change is always around the corner. Now, when I was a kid, we moved a lot. My dad was in the Air Force, and I don't want to compare the Air Force to God. Please know I'm not saying that. But I can certainly identify with Abram getting a call out of nowhere saying it's time to pack up all your possessions and go. 
It was such a common occurrence in our life that when other kids played games like house or cars or whatever, my brother and I would play moving. We'd say, okay, kids, to our little dolls and things, we have to leave this place and go to Germany or Italy or Japan. We'd fill in any destination we found on our globe in the family room. And then we'd pack some bags and we'd go get on a plane. We'd put a row of chairs in the hallway and we would sit in the chairs and pretend we were on a plane. And then we'd take all of our stuff to another room in the house and unpack it and start our lives over. I don't know that Abram liked to play at moving. We don't know much about his life before this moment. We know he's a descendant of Noah, and he lives in his father's household. We know that he was born when his dad was about 75 years old. He's married to a relative, a half-sister. They share the same father, and the woman's name is Sarai. We are told immediately that Sarai is unable to have children. For some unknown reason, Abram goes with his father and all their household to the place of Haran in their first known move. It's a pretty long journey. It was about the distance from Austin to El Paso. So imagine making that by foot with all your possessions and all your household. It, you know, if you were doing it at the quickest pace, it would have taken about a month probably. I'm sure that was a really memorable event for young Abram. Was he looking forward to that adventure when they learned they were going to move? Did he look forward to a new life? Did he miss the place of his birth, the people he left behind? Did he enjoy living in Haran? Was he dreaming of going to a new place, of being on his own away from his father? We have so many questions that go unanswered. And scripture up to this point, if you remember what's happening in Genesis, it's been focused on a big picture, right? We start with the creation of everything. And we talk about sin coming into the world and a worldwide flood and maybe a handful of people. We've talked about Noah a bit. And then it kind of zooms out again and we learn about how languages came into being and nations but now we zoom in and the rest of the bible is about this man and his descendants and their relationship to god who will later find out goes by the name yahweh i think we have a tendency as people to want to think there's something special about abram Something that causes God to zero in and work with him. It's our human tendency, right? We want to think about who deserves that scholarship? Who's deserving of attention or a promotion at work? But what we see throughout scripture again and again, if you've sat in this pew most of your life, you'll know what's special about Abram. Not much, really. In fact, as usual, right, if you've read scripture, as usual, he seems a pretty unlikely suspect for God's blessing. He's married to his half 
sister. That doesn't seem really great. And we even know that's not good in the Levitical laws, right? So even to an ancient hearer, that's probably not the best thing to be doing. In the scripture, it says today he packs up his possessions, including people. So we know he's a slave owner. We know that he has no descendants, which again, to the ancient hearer, means he's not being blessed by God with children. And so it's shocking that God would show up to talk to him. Why in the world would God do that? Much less to promise this man a great nation, blessings. And a lot of us think he's old. It's true, he's 75 in the stories, but in scripture at this point, everyone's living like 100 years, 200 years. So he's really at the first third of his life. He still has about 100 years of life ahead. His dad fathered him when he was 70. But still, it seems like if God is looking for a couple to have a lot of children, this is not the person to be talking to. The fact that God extends relationship, purpose, blessing to Abram is ridiculous. He hasn't even, he hasn't even done anything to deserve it. Where's the list of credits to his name? Now, we Methodists, we have a word for this. Has anyone guessed it? Grace. Grace. God extends grace to Abram. And then when that happens, Abram has a choice. He can accept God's blessing and all of the inevitable change that comes with it, or he can turn away. He can walk back to Haran and the life he knows. He can trust in God's promises, or he can trust what he's already learned about the world. Abram, having already made a big trip once in his life, knowing everything it might entail to pick up and move, Abram goes. He moves closer, closer to God, closer to God's promises. Now, if you've read Genesis, you know he is going to make mistakes. He's going to make some big ones, a lot of them. And some of them he's going to make more than once. He gives his wife away twice to other men just so he can get out of trouble with them. He and Sarai, they're going to doubt God as the years go by. There are at least 30 years before Sarai gives birth to Isaac. They're going to harm people. They're going to harm one another. But through all of that, Abram continues to listen to God. Abram continues to make space for God in his life. Abram turns again and again and again toward God. And in the end, we learn that Abram, which means exalted father, becomes Abraham, father of a multitude. And for thousands of years, 
the thing most people remember about Abram is that he is faithful. That's what we remember. That's the name we often give him. In this very short passage from Abram's long life, we learn some things about how to embrace the changes that God calls us to. And God does call each one of us. We all get a call from God. Abram's not the only one. Every single one of us is being called. Make, so the first thing that Abram does is he takes the step, right? That's probably the hardest part about changing, about changing ourselves, changing our lives. And it takes some preparation, right? We know that Abram prepared. It doesn't say it in scripture, but we know he had to. He had to tell his father and his family. He had to get his household in order. How did he even explain what he was doing? Could he say, God told me to go, and if I went, I'd have a baby? Could you say that to people? It would have sounded bananas. Maybe he said it. I don't know. Maybe instead he chose to talk about the business opportunities of this new place that he was thinking of. Maybe he laid out a plan for what his life might look like if he went. Maybe he had the next hundred years, you know, on a, a chart that he laid out. No matter how he explained it, I'm sure people argued about it. I'm sure people tried to convince him to leave this outrageous idea behind, especially the one about getting blessed by God, because, hello, did you look around? Why is God going to bless you, Abram? Now, when things change, we can hunker down. We can wait for the storm to pass. We can try to go back to what things were before, which never works. Or we can step into it with courage and hope. When we moved from one city to another or a new country, my family had a practice of preparing in ways that gave us courage. We would dream together about the new place. What would it be like? Who might we meet? What things can we try there? What could we do? Who might I be in this new place? And we shared the things that frightened us. We rehearsed how we got through hard moves before. We remembered the things that helped us when we were sad or scared. And then after doing all of that preparation, like Abram, we left. Another thing that we see in the story is Abram does leave just as God told him, but he doesn't go alone. He goes with Sarai and Lot. Change, deep change, real change, it requires partners. I think it's nearly impossible to turn your life around alone. It's why almost any person trying to create a lasting habit in their life has a support group. We've seen it with AA or with people on a new diet, right? People surround themselves with support. We can't expect 
to get through a big change in a healthy way on our own. Moving with my family was always, always, always hard and scary. And lots of times we would say out loud, I wish we could go back. You know, we would name all the places. Oh, I wish we could go back to Fort Worth. I wish we could go back to Germany. It was easier there. But it was good that we were doing that hard and scary thing together. At the beginning of change, we rely heavily on people, a few people that carry us through it. And then over time, our network expands, right? And we learn where we are. We learn who we are in that new place. We're less uncomfortable. And we know more about what we are capable of. And maybe that prepares us to do the next hard thing that's coming around the corner. In this story of Abram, we also see him staying very close to God during this transition. In godly play, I always like it. It's a, the person telling the story says, Abram came to God and God came very close to Abram. That's how we show the children what's happening in scripture, right? That God hovers over Abram like this. Where are the places in your life that you know you come very close to God? Where you can feel the Spirit hovering over you like this. Once we walk into something new, we have to keep up those practices that keep us close to God. That's what gives us the ability to have that next bit of courage and the next and the next and the next. God calls us to really uncomfortable work sometimes. And it's the kind of work that the culture around us thinks is absolutely crazy. If the people around you don't ever think you're doing something a little crazy, you might not be listening to God. Because <laughs> God asks us to look very different from the world around us. People wonder, why are you being kind to someone that doesn't deserve it? Why are you spending time with the homeless? Why are you going into a prison? Why are you giving up your days off from work to go on a mission trip? Why are you deciding to participate less in a sport or an activity so you can be at church on Sunday? Why did you give money to the church instead of a fancy vacation? Why do you take the time to really think about the ethical implications of what we think or do or make or buy? Why do you have hope? Why are you not wanting to gossip and judge people? Why do you show up to work every day with kindness? Why are you willing to be uncomfortable so others can have comfort? The people around us are going to question us. They're going to question our call to change. Sometimes they'll feel judged because of the way that we're acting, not what we're saying, just the, who we're being in the world. And so they'll question us and ask us to be different. And so we need to keep God at the center. God giving us direction. We can't let go 
of the things that tether us to God, to God's grace and care and intervention? What are the things in your life that tether you to God? Do you go to church? Do you pray every night? Do you talk about where God is showing up in your life and offering hope? Do you go on a hike? Do you get really still and quiet and breathe and listen? When things are changing, you need to know the places to go and meet God so you don't get lost in the whirlwind. And finally, we see Abram taking time to worship God, to thank God for the blessings in his life. Now, at this point in Scripture, has God given him this child we talked about earlier? Is there a great nation? Abram's upended everything, and he has very little to show for it at this point in the story. He's had a lot of promises, but none of them have come to fruition. And yet, all along the journey we read in today's scripture, he builds an altar. He worships God. I have lots of weird memories about Air Force moves. Sometimes nothing is ready for you. The housing that's promised isn't there. Your items that are supposed to arrive take months instead. And so you're living out of a suitcase for one time. The longest was three months I lived out of my suitcase. One Easter, my parents were living with me and my brother in a small hotel room. We lived there for several weeks because there wasn't enough housing available around the Air Force Base. It snowed that Easter, and it was too cold and wet to go out and hunt Easter eggs. My mom let us know the Easter Bunny would not be able to hide eggs in the hotel parking lot. That Easter morning, I woke up to Easter eggs all over the hotel room. The Easter Bunny had come in the dark sometime that night and put eggs in our luggage, in jacket pockets, under our pillows, in my dad's combat boots. Even when things were dark and cold and wet and uncomfortable, Easter found us. It's important that like Abram, when things change, we find ways to thank God. Our spirits need that, y'all. Our spirits need to offer thanks. It's the way that we continue to find hope and life and joy, even when things seem utterly impossible and dark and frozen. You all know that change is constant. I don't need to tell you that. Maybe for the older folks in our church, it often feels the most evident. Y'all have been through a lot of change. And sometimes that change can feel less like hope for tomorrow and more like a series of losses. It's easy to look at Abram's story and see a youngish man who's hopeful, 
for a house on a large property that's filled with children. And we often read this text like he does receive those blessings, but friends, he doesn't. Not really, not in his lifetime. He has one son by Sarai, and that son gives him two grandchildren. He has another son by Hagar, another six by a concubine when Sarai dies. He lives in Canaan, but he's not living in his own nation by any means. He dies with little knowledge of what's going to happen with his small family, only one of which is the true heir to his possessions, and as the ancient hearer would understand it, the true heir to God's initial promise to Abram. The change God asked Abram to make was less about Abram's own blessing and more about what God would do through him for generations to come. For us, sitting here, reading this story thousands of years later. What change is God calling you to embrace? Who might benefit from it? Whether you're 5 or 75, God is calling you to step out. We follow a God that's on the move. I'm sorry, y'all, but God doesn't stand still. God is moving. And God enters things and turns it all around. And we're called to be present in the very same way. In the story today, we meet Abram on the precipice of the next part of his life. What's the next part for you? What precipice are you on? Who will you mentor? How will you pray? Will you make space for God to do a new thing? How will you accept and enter into change with courage and the knowledge that God is leading you? What will be your legacy? When things change, and they will, can you be like Abram? Can you accept the blessings God is offering? Can you step out with courage? Can you find friends for your journey? Can you stay close to God? Can you offer blessing and thanks in the midst of all things? May we enter God's grace together and at the very end be found faithful for generations.
most beautiful. As the ushers come forward to receive our offerings this morning, know that everything you offer up to God makes a difference in the lives of others and drawing people close to God, giving opportunities and providing for needs. So as they come forward and we prepare to offer to God our, what God has richly blessed us with and return some, let us pray. God of unwavering and generous love, you have held nothing back in your love for us, not even your son, Jesus Christ our Lord. How we marvel at that kind of love and how we long to reflect a portion of that devotion back to you. As we dedicate our offerings to you this morning, lead us away from the tendency to hold back and worry that there will not be enough. There is always enough with you. Help us to live as the people of love and abundance you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. <laughs> 